October is the month we give ourselves permission to tolerate just a little bit more scare into our life. We are willing to watch a scary movie, dabble in bloody makeup, brave a seance, and engage in scary stories. History is made up of stories. Long before the printing press, stories were handed down through families, through cultures, around campfires. As the stories became older and older, and are altered slightly to grow more grand with each telling, the line between fact and fiction gets blurred as they are passed through history. The stories presented to you today are said to come from true life, based in fact, and if that's so, they are a terrifying link to our history and its culture. Are you brave enough to entertain the stories passed down to make your hair stand on end? Fact or fiction? I'll leave that for you to decide. Welcome, my name is Elizabeth Bougeret, and I'm that person when studying the many facets of history likes to peek behind the curtain, investigate hidden passages, drop into the rabbit hole, or dare to walk in the shadows, because we all know that's where the good stories can be found. Take a listen then to discover what dark or peculiar pieces of American history can be found in my bag of bones. The slaves that were brought to the Low Country in the late 1500s came from all over Africa. The many tribes were placed together and each was introduced to another people and their knowledge. The Gullah Geechee culture was created from the descendants of the original slaves and they literally steeped a culture of their very own. The Gullah people developed their own language, traditions, rituals, cuisine, music, all derived from their African roots and the stories. They shared their stories. Today, hundreds of thousands of the Gullah people live along the coast from Florida to North Carolina. You can see their craft, taste their unique food, and hear the blend of the southern words and African phrases and dialect, and they are more than happy to share the warnings of their ancestors, like those of the Buhag. The Buhag is sometimes considered a powerful witch that can be called upon to curse someone. The Buhag will ride the victim until he or she is discovered and stopped, or the victim has gone mad or too weak from lack of sleep or even death, depending on the strength of the voodoo that placed the curse. Sometimes the Buhag closer resembles a vampire-like creature that sucks the air from your lungs instead of the blood from your veins. She is able to slip into any skin and walk among the people, but can only use the skin until it expires, and then she must find someone else to breathe for her. Whether she is brought to you by some curse or seeks you out on her own, she can enter your home through the tiniest crack or keyhole, but is more drawn to an open window. It is believed in the Gullah culture that the color blue is a powerful color to keep away the demons, spirits, and haints. So much so that you'll see the trim around the windows and the doors and even the porches painted with the blue to repel the harmful creatures of the underworld. The buhag comes at night and hovers over the body or presses down on your chest and draws in your breath, making you feel tired and weak the next day. You fall into a sleep paralysis that you are aware of your surroundings, may even be able to see the buhag, but are unable to move 
or stop her. She can enter your body and drain the night's life from you and you'll know she was there because you'll feel as if you've been beaten and your bones ache and you are as weary as if you had walked for hundreds of miles. Some have woken with scratch marks and reoccurring nightmares or the curse she brings plagues them to your own insanity. She comes out only at night and having no skin of her own, she is blood-red muscle mass, and yet so thin you can see her bright blue veins and organs. If you see her, she will steal your voice so you aren't able to scream out. The blue hag will perish if she is between skins when the sun comes up, so the only way to defeat her is to take advantage of her weakness. She is a curious creature, and must keep count of everything in the room. One chair. One two lamps. One, two, three, four pairs of shoes. Knowing that she must count, and that in order to destroy her she must be caught by the dawn, the Gullah people would have a broom or sieve in their bedrooms for just such an occasion. Virginia Hamilton says in her book, Her Stories, African American Folk Tales, Fairy Tales, and True Tales, quote, The boo hag will stop to count every straw in a broom, every hole in a sieve, and as many needles as can be placed in the cork of a bottle. By the time she's finished, dawn will break to stop her wickedness, for she dare not be seen in the light of day." End quote. The boo hag is still a powerful tale of warning to live a good life so as not to be cursed, and the Gullah folk today are willing to sell you a bundle of fresh, potent parsley as a repellent or a decorative whisk broom to protect your night's slumber. But just to be safe, you might want to close those windows or paint your porch a lovely sky blue. Wolves and coyotes in the Navajo culture are regarded as helpers, workers, teachers even, but not friends. In the southwest, as the tribes moved deeper into the area, they believed that the wild dogs were symbolic to witches, a sign of danger, warning, potential disaster. To this day, it is believed that the skinwalkers still roam about searching for souls to possess. Stories are passed down of dog-like creatures peering into windows, standing ominously only yards away, seen but not overtly so. Wolves having amazing supernatural speed, being able to keep up with vehicles, or even shooting a wolf and watching it turn back into human form before dying. Skinwalker A word that is rarely muttered out loud among the Navajo, and even when it is brought up, it is tempered with reverence not something to be taken lightly. Smelling a strong, foul odor, red eyes glowing in the distance, scratching noises. All these were considered signs that a skinwalker was near or that imminent danger was upon them. The tales of coyotes and wolves are told around the campfires not only for entertainment or to thrill their attentive audience, but have also been used for generations as moral instruction. 
The knowledge of the connection between wolves and witches is a dangerous one, and in the wrong hands can be deadly. Witches, according to this legend, are those who intend to do evil to others. They are considered having close contact with death, and are always looking for dark souls to induct into their den. Therefore, when someone displays characteristics outside of the Navajo culture, such as greed, uncontrollable sexual appetites, rage, and murder, it is believed that they must be under the influence of witchcraft. The deeper they follow the dog-like creature down this path of aggression, acquisition, competition, and other dominant predatory hunting behaviors, the more dark powers they will gain, the more they will shift from human to skinwalker. There is a crossroads where a person must choose to go forward harnessing the powers of good or evil. They can absorb the powers of the animal kingdom and even transform completely to carry out their tasks. They become more powerful the more they call on the darkness and soon it is no longer something they can control. These creatures are considered strong, powerful, shape-shifting witches that are constantly searching for those ready to follow their path down the dark road or the next victim to ensure their survival, for they must hunt or be in fear of perishing themselves. They feed on random victims, but they thrive from those who are feeding a black heart. They can gain access when you make eye contact, making them capable of taking over your thoughts, words, actions, even possessing your body. Once they use your body for a crime, they know that it's just a matter of time that they can claim you. So if you are feeling eyes on you, or sensing in any other clues that a skinwalker may be near, then perhaps you should check your guilt. You may think you have gotten away with something, but they know, and they'll be looking for you. We've all survived history class. My history education was all about cramming dates and names and battles into my teenage brain in order to pass the newest test to make the school look good. I didn't really enjoy history until I was able to revisit it and see that history was made up of people, just like me. They had struggles, they had joy, they had sadness, and they felt victories. It became so very real to me. And now, I'm on a mission to revisit as much history as I can. Hello, my name's Elizabeth Bougeret. I'm a full-time author and a full-time traveler, and I would love to share what I'm learning with you. Come with me. See my sights and stories as I go. I love history now. Real history. Not just the dates and battles. And I've discovered that others do too. So, I've created a group in Facebook, and I'd love for you to join me on my travels and adventures. Let me reintroduce you to a history that's made up of people, places, adventures. I'll even throw in a few battles for good measure. If you love American history with a side of travel, I'm sure you'll enjoy this group. Join me over there. Search the Facebook groups for History Revisited, I'm the one with the blue feather, or Type in historyrevisited.info in the search bar and then join in on the adventure. And so I can be sure to welcome you properly, be sure to say hello.
A beautiful young widow named Maria fell in love with a rich man. The rich man wanted to marry her, but did not want to be a father, as Maria already had two sons from her first marriage. At first, she denied him. She loved him deeply, but couldn't bear to leave her sons behind. The man pursued her, but made himself clear that he only wanted her. Maria lost her job and had no way to feed her family, and implored the rich man to reconsider. He denied her pleas. Maria made the fateful decision and took her boys to a bridge. She stabbed them in the heart and tossed their bodies into the river below. When she showed up at the door of her beloved and told him what she had done to prove her love to him, he was so repulsed at the sight of her blood-soaked clothes that he slammed the door in her face, telling her never to return. Maria ran back to the water's edge to try and save her children, but it was too late. She took her own life there on the banks of the river, and when she woke at the gates of heaven, she was told that she was not allowed to enter without her children. So she wanders. She cries. She calls out to her slain children along the riverbank, searching, forever searching. Her story, the one of La Llorona, the crying woman, has been traced back to the ancient Aztec people and carried along through Hispanic legend and folklore ever since. Though the stories vary from culture to culture, making the crying woman either a saint or a sinner, either driven to committing the horrific crimes of taking away her children's life for their sake, or that she was unfeeling and seeks only the attention of men, the hauntings and the warnings remain the same. In the Hispanic legend, she is often seen in either a white or black dress, walking along the Rio Grande, calling out, Donde están mis hijos? Meaning, where are my children? She is a symbol of pain and suffering caused by selfishness. Dogs howl when she is nearby, and she is heard crying and wailing along the riverbanks and near crybaby bridges looking for drowned children. She had mostly been seen or heard in New Mexico and Texas, but as the Mexican and Spanish cultures move inward, deaths are attributed to her anywhere a child drowning has occurred. Hispanic and Latin parents warn their children about walking near to the water after dark. If La Rosa sees them, she may mistake them for her children and take them away. Anyone can hear her wails, and the stories of this happening are many but she can only be seen by the person who is about to die. Her presence and whispers of death are the basis of many filicide cases throughout history and in recent days. A bit of trivia. In 2002, in Pilar, New Mexico, Bernadine Flores claimed to have been called by La Llorona just before she drowned her two children and herself in the Rio Grande. Only a few days before shooting a pivotal scene for the movie The Cry, a movie about the mythical La Llorona, the cast and crew discover that they are on the exact ground of the Flores murder-suicide. To tame the legend, a park was built in Las Cruces, New Mexico, called La Llorona Park. It boasts beautiful scenery, happy playgrounds, hiking trails, and more. And while it is visited by many, it is built along the Rio Grande, but it is also recommended that visitors leave the park before dark. To this day, it is said that La Llorona still walks the earth looking for her missing children, attempting to redeem her crimes and enter into heaven, 
but her selfish and jealous side causes her to call out to others to join in her pain. These days, you may have heard of Slenderman, and may think that he is just the fictional creation of Eric Knudsen in 2009, but the idea of shadow people and the whispers on the wind that bring about darkness or even death goes back to the beginning. The Native Americans reluctantly tell of an ancient tribe that was living in the woods when a winter storm hit them. They were caught off guard and were therefore not prepared to fight off the natural elements. They ran out of food and began to wither away. The blood in their veins ran slow and thick as their organs shrunk from lack of nutrients. The hair that didn't fall out became long and stringy, their skin taut and tough. Their nails grew hard and sharp as they scratched away at trees for some kind of nourishment. Their voices turned hoarse and shrill. Their skin clung to their bones as they slowly starved. One night, they followed the sounds of whistling to a neighboring village. The starving people could not hold back. They tore into the unsuspecting tribe, ripping the flesh from their bones, satisfying their hunger. Their terrifying screams could be heard through the darkness to villages for miles. There were those, mere shadows of who they once were, who tried to resist, but the need to survive outweighed their moral compass. They ate until their bellies were swollen with the flesh of beings that they once resembled. They were so hungry that they even licked the blood from the soil that spilled from their victims, leaving no trace that humans ever lived there. So that even today, if a person disappears by being lured by a stick Indian, nothing is ever found. The night creature devours every single thing. The stick Indians now lure lone victims to them by whistling or animal sounds hoping that you will follow the sound. The legend says that if they are able to lure you into the woods, they can paralyze you, hypnotize you, or drive you mad, if you survive. And after dark, the Native American Indians do not allow whistling of any kind for fear of the stick Indians. While this story is frightening as it is, there's more. There is one who stands alone and has taken the tale of the stick Indians to another level. He is known as Walking Sam. He is far more malevolent, far more wicked, far more terrifying. His sole purpose is to seek out those he can convince to take their own life. Many have seen him lurking in the shadows wearing a tall hat. He is slender, and no matter how far away he appears, you can hear his whispers as if he were right next to you. Or worse, he gets in your head and stays with you until he has fixed your mind on your death. He whispers, you are not worthy of life. He tells those who give him audience that they are better off dead. 
He is said to have the ghosts of his victims dangling from his arms, keeping them as trophies, always with him, always searching for more. His method of choice is hanging, and is said to prepare a noose leaving it dangling on a tree for his victims. His greatest achievement is to keep his presence a secret. The mere speaking of his name causes fear among those who know his story, so he is free to prey upon the susceptible. He targets youth who are more open to his words and is relentless in his methods. In 2015, there were 103 suicide attempts attributed to the presence of Walking Sam. Whether you believe or chalk it up to folklore, many teen lives have been lost in his name. So many, in fact, it has triggered a suicide prevention program to combat the belief of Walking Sam. America was built on stories. We all have stories. But when the voices of the past conjure up tales of horror and death, warnings and premonitions, we can always just chalk them up to stories, can't we? Bag of Bones is researched and recorded by Elizabeth Bougeret, produced by the Ragtag Network and History Revisited, Music by Johnny Reed, copyrights by Elizabeth Bougeret and DCT Enterprises.